And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hi, everybody. Great to have all of you with us. Welcome to another edition of Strong as Steel. On this Wednesday, July number 26, we are inching our way ever so closer to kickoff time for this 2017 college football season. Literally just over 30 days away now. And we say hi to uh, the author of the very finest, the most jam-packed with information and analysis College football magazine in the biz. Phil Steele's college football preview for this 2017 season. He's been doing it for a while. Hey, Phil, how are you on this fine Wednesday? Real good, Michael. How about yourself? I'm terrific. And uh, today, and all of us hope that you are uh, locked in at iTunes.com because, you know, you can archive every one of the conferences that uh, we have uh, previewed for you. All you have to do, iTunes.com, you're there. So when you're driving, you know, maybe on your way to and from work, uh, that's a terrific time to catch up on everything we've done for the last two weeks, which is we started with the uh, the Power Five conferences and the independents, and now we're in the group of five. And, Phil, as we get set to go with the American Athletic today, we want to let everybody know as well that uh, you are going to be a real busy man all over every every platform of the ESPN networks, ESPN.com. Phil, give us an idea what some of your duties are going to entail as this college and NFL season begin. Yeah, well, the, the main task is uh, providing info for ESPN Insider, ESPN.com, writing uh, both the college and the NFL this year, so that'll be a a lot of fun, and, and really for those that say, hey, that's a pay site. Why are you talking about a pay site? Guys, it's $3.33 a month, so there's really not a cost. I mean, when you go to a ball game, you pay more than double that for a beer. So it's uh, 333 You get all my college, all my NFL every month on ESPN Insider, and uh, you also get all the other experts from all the other sports out there. So it's a great deal. I highly recommend joining ESPN Insider right now. And then, of course, you'll see me uh, on SportsCenter, things like that, throughout the course of the season. Beautiful. And and uh, every every week, and Phil, we, we're going to have a jam-packed 2017 season going here on Strong as Steel. We're previewing uh, all, of course, as we said, of all of the, the conferences that comprise the FBS, all 130 squads. So, you know, as we go through this, I don't know where else, Phil. Uh, I'd like uh, all anybody to show us. Uh, we're going to go through Conference USA and the Sun Belt and the Mountain West and the MAC, just as we have the SEC, the Big Ten, etc. So uh, stay locked in with us. Phil, we do as much work, don't we, uh, with regard to, uh, as I said, Conference USA and the Sun Belt. We put the same amount of time and effort as we do, and your analysis and information as we do the Power Five. 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, the main thing that sets the Phil Steele magazine apart from everybody else, besides having more information everybody else on every team, uh, just dwarfing the uh, other publications with the amount of information on the, the group of five conferences. And you get the exact same amount of information in the magazine on the group of five uh, conferences as you do on the big ones. We give you uh, two full pages on Coastal Carolina, the same amount of coverage we give mm-hmm. you on Alabama and USC. So uh, it's just like the podcast, uh, mirrors the magazine, you'll get the same amount of coverage here. Yep, absolutely. I can attest to that. We uh, we go through the personnel with the coaches and familiarize ourselves with those 105 player rosters, just uh, as we do if it were the SEC, the Big Ten, as we said, so forth and so on. So, with that in mind, Phil, you mentioned Group of Five, and today on this Wednesday, uh, it is the American Athletic Conference. We put into our strongest steel spotlight. We're going to start with the West Division. And it's important to know. Now, this is not our projected or predicted order of finish. We decided, Phil and I, to, we're going to do it uh, alphabetically and take the squads in each conference, uh, alphabetize them, and go from there. So our first stop as we start with the AAC West is a stop that has it's become one that's very prominent the last couple of years. The Houston Cougars, Tom Herman, Phil, he had it rolling with the Cougs. We know that, 22-5. and five. Last couple of seasons, uh, considered the most talented squad in the AAC. Phil, last year we talked plenty how they whipped uh, two squads. Houston did. That was ranked a third nationally when Houston played them. Oklahoma early and their conference rival, uh, rather a Louisville, uh, late. Um, they lost the finale at Memphis and then the bowl game against San Diego State. But now, Phil, this year, of course, we know, as we've discussed, Tom Herman is now the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. But Major Applewhite, yep, that former uh, Mac Brown quarterback for Texas, he uh, begins his head coaching career. Of course, uh, he was... Uh, the right-hand man for Tom Herman the last few years, and he brings with him, too. We've got Texas A&M transfer quarterback uh, Kyle Allen now to run the offense. So, Phil, we discuss this a lot, but my question to you, so Applewhite, he knows this Houston personnel as the OC the last couple of years. Does that help the Cougars stay formidable and in the same place they've been? And that's been atop the AAC the last couple, two years. Yeah, it helps them uh, avoid that first-year head coaching learning curve where the uh, new coach comes in, has to learn the player's strengths and weaknesses, players have to learn new systems, and usually it takes a while. It usually is about a three-year process when somebody takes over like that. But as you touch on, Applewhite's been the offensive coordinator here in both 15 and 16, coached the team in the bowl game. Now, that didn't work out so well. They got off to a great start against San Diego State. Uh, but then ended up losing to the Aztecs. Only, I mean, the, the game was close statistically. They actually had a 16-13 first down edge, but uh, couldn't overcome some key plays in there and, and ended up getting beat 34-10. to So they, they weren't blown out of the water. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, had the, had the first down edge in that game. But always looking for this year. Well, let's go, go back a little bit about last year. Mm-hmm. You know, last year there was a lot of key indicators pointing down, like the fact that uh, – the stock market indicator was a minus 5.0. They had benefited from plus 21 in turnovers. They number 112 on the experience chart. Yet they looked like they could have the potential 
to run the table, and they look great when they beat Oklahoma in the opener, number three Oklahoma. Later they beat number three Louisville, but they had a couple of losses in the rain against Navy, a tough loss there. At SMU, a game they just didn't show up for. The Memphis game was one they could have won at the end of the season and didn't win it. Ended up losing four games despite knocking off a pair of number three teams. One thing Tom Herman did was beat ranked teams. He was a perfect 6-0 and against ranked teams. We'll see if how Major Applewhite uh, does there. Now, when I, you look at this year's team, as you touched on, Kyle Allen, the Texas A&M transfer, comes in. Allen's a guy who uh, hits 61% of his passes with a 16-7 ratio. Uh, his first year there at A&M uh, dropped off a little the second year completion-wise down to 60, but still had a 17-7 ratio, and I think he'll be one of the better quarterbacks in the American. Duke Catalan is back at running back. He's a Texas transfer. who's PS number 20. Uh, got injured last year, so that affected the team a little bit. He only started seven games. Uh, I think he'll be one of the better running backs in the American Conference. And then you look at the receivers with Bonner and Dunbar. The offensive line looks stout. I think it'll be a very potent Houston offense. They've got one of the best players in the entire country, regardless of, of uh, conference. That's Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver, I think, uh, while he can't come out next year because he'll be a, he's a true sophomore this year, I think when he comes out in 2019's draft, you're looking at a potential number one pick. This guy's absolutely dominant inside. He's got size, strength. He's got the uh, he's a, can penetrate. He's just disruptive up front. And they uh, bring in a couple other good guys as well. So I think they've got a, an underrated defensive line, one that I rate 13th best in the country. The linebacking core does return Matthew Adams and Hines. And the secondary's veteran as well. Now, Houston was actually picked second in the AAC West in by the media this year. Uh, so they're not the favorites coming in like they have been the last couple of years. But this is a strong team, very capable of contending for the West title. No question about that, Phil. And you have them uh, in your uh, position uh, uh, ranking grouping. You have them virtually in every one of them the uh, in the top half of the AAC. Phil, I'm glad you mentioned um, Ed Oliver because, again, when you, you watch this young man, and by the way, he did all that last year as a true freshman, Phil. He was a... Uh, a uh, an all American as a frosh and eighteen tackles for loss. He's a one man wrecking crew, and that's something uh, that Apple White will lean on heavily with that kind of production. There, Phil. We look at the schedule with Houston, and it I, you know it it just doesn't look too daunting. I mean, at Arizona, one they'll be favored to win. They go to Temple, different situation there, as we'll get to uh, to start uh, their play in the the AAC. But this is a squad, Phil, as you said, uh, not picked at the top this year uh, by the AAC media. But this is a football team when we look at uh, at our friends at South Point. South Point, of course, as we give you their uh, predicted, projected uh, win totals on the year. Phil, they've got Houston uh, this year at an eight and a half, which means that for, you know, Major Applewhite, I mean, now he's going to have to come in and keep this thing up and running Eight and a half, about right to you in that for the the Houston win total. It sounds about right, but uh, you know when you look at it, they they do have to play South Florida on the road where they're being underdog. I got a couple mm-hmm. of toss up games, which are Tulsa and Temple, which are on the road as well as Arizona. So when you've got three toss up games and one game, they're going to be a dog in. I think they're priced accurately at eight and a half. But uh, when I look at Houston this year. Uh, I like the overall talent. They only lose 15 lettermen. They've got 56 lettermen coming back this season. I'm going to go over that total, Michael. 
Okay. You know what? I'm with you there again. And uh, doing that, uh, I hear you. The personnel, as we said, is is there. And Major Applewhite certainly is not stepping into a bare cupboard situation. He knows the personnel. I think Applewhite's going to be a real successful head football coach. He's He's been priming for this since he quarterbacked for Mac Brown at Texas. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I see Houston as well as being able to uh, – you know, at the very, at the very least, do a nine and three in the regular season. So Phil and I both have Houston on the overside. Let's move on. Our next stop, and again, we're doing the AAC West. Our next stop is Memphis, Tennessee. This Memphis football team, as we know, Phil, I kind of think the Tigers have been a hidden gem, really, for the last three years, right? I mean, we're talking about. 27 wins over that time, so averaging nine a year, three bowl bursts, and a veteran quarterback who's very big on the NFL radar. <clears throat> Their head coach, Mike Norvell, he's starting year four, eight and five last year, five and three in the AAC West. Now, that big league quarterback, you need to know, is Riley Ferguson. Loved his uh, TD interception ratio last year, Phil, 32 to 10. He threw for uh, uh, 4,000 yards with 63% accuracy, and they put up 38 points a game. He's coming back. Phil, they've got top four running backs back, top two receivers back, talent of plenty for Mike Norvell. So, Phil, if it's not Houston, is it this Memphis squad that everybody thinks is going to win the AAC West this year? Well, the, the AAC media sure thinks it that way, as they've got uh, Memphis winning the uh, the, the division uh, with uh, 22 first-place votes to Houston's six first-place votes. So the media clearly likes Memphis. And, you know, a lot of times when you, when you break down a team, it goes by who do you have returning a quarterback, running back, and receiver. And that's the easiest way to break down a team and, and the way the media votes most of the time. And if you do that with Memphis, you're pretty happy because they've got, uh, as you touched on, Riley Ferguson back with that 32-10 ratio last year. He's a Tennessee transfer. He was a, a PS number 39 quarterback coming out of high school. They've got Doralyn Dorsius, Daryl Henderson, uh, Patrick Taylor, all back at running back. The receiving core, they've got their top two guys back. And Anthony Miller had 1,400 yards last year, 14 touchdowns, as well as Phil Mayhew. So they're loaded at receiver. They've got Tony Pollard there as well. Uh, a guy that was a special teams player of the year last year and should have a bigger impact as a sophomore. The offensive line's a veteran group with four starters back. So if you just look purely at the offense, uh, you're saying to yourself, wow, this is a great team. And uh, the ones that deserve to be the favorites uh, in their division. Defensively, uh, they had some problems last year. They struggled at times. I mean, they ever they allowed 455 yards per game. But there's talent up there. I mean, you look at Jonathan Wilson and Ernest Suttles up front, Jannard Avery at the linebacker, along with Jackson Dillon, two guys that I think give him one of the more underrated cores. Uh, Dillon's a guy that uh, had 11 starts in 2015, a redshirted last year. But he's back and healthy, and that's a big plus. They've got, uh, you know, the secondary only has one starter back, so that's a little bit of a question mark. But I, I think they'll have an improved defense this year as well. The biggest question mark I had when I was breaking down Memphis in this AAC West is I think the top three teams are Houston, Memphis, and Tulsa. Well, Memphis has to play both 
Houston, and Tulsa on the road in a three-week span. So that's that's going to be interesting. They play one of them on a Thursday, one of them on a Friday, and the Houston game comes the week after playing Navy, and Navy's cut blocking, which tends to get you a little bit weaker the next week. Teams don't do so well after facing teams like that, like Navy and Georgia Tech, during the course of the season. So the schedule's probably my biggest question mark, as well as how much will the defense be improved this year? Yeah, defensively, uh, of course, uh, as you pointed out, uh, certainly cause for a little bit of concern. But, Phil, again, uh, like we mentioned with Houston, uh, uh, the Memphis Tigers uh, very prominent in your AAC unit rankings, uh, a lot of twos and threes there. So this is a football team that goes in thinking that they can win the AAC West uh, and and win the entire conference as well. Phil, the, uh, the over-under total for them, uh, same thing as Houston at eight and a half. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, right away, I'm not thinking too much. I'm, I'm going over that, Phil. I, I think they get to nine, if not ten. Uh, I, I know you pointed out those two road games, going to be very, very tough. But uh, they get one of those, and they should be in smooth, smooth waters. You know, and a very intriguing non-conference game that's out there this year. I know UCLA had a bad record last year, but they've got Josh Rosen back. And if you want a breakdown of UCLA, go check out the Pac-12 forecast. You get a complete breakdown there, so I'm not going to talk any more about UCLA. But that's a big game for the American Conference. If they can knock off a Pac-12 team, it helps them gain in prestige. Remember, they were the top group of five conference out there last year. So the UCLA game at Houston at Tulsa would be the three games I have an underdog in this year. Central Florida is going to be tricky. Bright House Stadium is one of the more underrated conferences out there. It's mm-hmm. an aluminum bleachers, and it gets very loud, and they've had a very strong home field edge with the exception of that 0-12 season two years ago. That'll be a difficult one as well, but uh, I'm going to lean with the over. I've got an underdog in three games this year, and uh, I'm going to go over 8.5. All right, so Phil and I are both going uh, over for Mike Norvell. He's done a real nice job with his Memphis Tigers program. And, Phil, you just mentioned a moment ago about, uh, you know, the AAC and last year it being uh, the top, at least when you ranked it statistically in many categories, the top uh, of the group of five conferences. Now, we know last year it was the Mid-American Conference with Western Michigan that uh, got the uh, the New Year's Day bowl assignment as the best of the group of five against uh, Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl. Phil, though, my question is, do, do you feel that from a prestige standpoint that and uh, an eye-opening standpoint that it's been the AAC the last couple of years with some very strong programs on the rise that is kind of taking its place as perception as the top group of five conference that we have in the FBS? Yeah, I think the Mountain West held that status for a long time with Boise State, uh, the, the flag bearer for that uh, conference. But uh, now the AAC has overtaken it. Uh, teams like Houston, Memphis, Tulsa, South Florida, a lot of good uh, teams Navy. in the AAC and in Navy. And, yep. and they've been playing extremely well uh, in non-conference action. They've been knocking off some of the big boys. Houston was a big part of that. Their 6-0 record against ranked teams. So, yes, I, I feel they are. Yeah. Uh, they have been the last couple of years the top group of five conference. Keep close tabs on it uh, this year, you strong as uh, steel podcast listeners. Phil and I will. 
And we'll have a lot of exciting things with regard to the AAC programs coming up when we kick off the 17th season. We are in the AAC West uh, starting off on this uh, Wednesday, July 26th. Tomorrow, Thursday, we'll uh, preview the AAC East for you as we count it down to kickoff time, which uh, this year, a lot of games on Thursday, August 31st. So you see how close we're getting to this 2017 football season. Moving on here in uh, the AAC West, we just mentioned them, Phil. The Navy midshipmen, 7-1 and one in two consecutive years for Kenny Niamatololo, the head coach in the Western Division of the AAC. Boy, I, amazing to me. Just, Phil, amazing head coaching work and uh, a job that's been done by Ken Niamatololo in Annapolis, Maryland, nine years on the job. He's averaged eight-plus wins a year. Phil, this year, I, they're positive uh, around uh, the uh, the academy. Why shouldn't they be? 13 starters back. Uh, but a quarterback has to emerge, no doubt about that, following Will Worth, who graduated. Seven of the top to eight tacklers returned, Phil, on the defensive side. Yet the schedule is going to be very demanding as Phil is going to tell you here in a moment, uh, but never, ever, I think Phil Steele, count out Niamatololo and his football team. It's going to be a challenge this year, but he always seems to be up to those particular challenges, doesn't he? I agree. One of the best uh, head coaches out there, big fan of uh, Coach Niamatololo, and uh, you take a look at how he's fared even last year. Uh, you know, in 2015, they had outstanding success. They were 11-2, and two, but you would have expected that. It was a rare senior-laden, 32 seniors in 15. They were up there in my experience chart. Then you had a look at last year. Only seven returning starters coming back. They were all the way down at number 127 on the experience chart. And their quarterback uh, coming into the season, Tago Smith, and, and uh, what a tough break that was. Tago Smith was a tremendous backup for years. Did great when called upon, and now this was it. His senior year, he's finally in charge of the offense, and you got to love a kid like that, and he gets injured in the opener. He's out for the season. And that, you, any other team probably would have been like, well, we're in trouble, but uh, they took Will Worth then and brought him in at the QB spot. And Will Worth played better than anyone really expected him to. Hit 61% with an 8-3 ratio. In fact, in the game... Tago Smith went down. They had a quarterback in the stands. They pulled out and had, he ran a series late in the game and they scored a touchdown. But uh, and then late in the year, they get to the AAC championship game as Coach Niamatololo has his team doing every year, and then they lose Will Worth in that game to injury. And Zach Aby did not play have a good AAC championship game. He didn't even have a good first half against Army. But then uh, A.B. caught on in the second half. Navy did have their big win streak against Army snapped. Uh, it had been a long time since they had lost Army. And then, of course, in the bowl game, A.B. I thought played well. Uh, and that shows well for the future. They put up 45 points against Louisiana Tech. Really had a shot of winning that game, but came up three points short and actually finished the season 9-5. and five. Now, this year they're a little more experienced than last year, 12 returning starters. Uh, they have four on offense, eight on defense. A.B.'s back at quarterback. Fullback Chris High is back. Uh, if you're looking for their A-backs that are the, at the top, I'd go with Daryl Bonner or Malcolm Perry. Uh, they've got decent receivers. They do lose Jameer Tillman, who is an outstanding talent. But Coach Niamatololo is uh, high on both Tyler Carmona and Brandon Cologne. They've got Evan Martin up front and Andrew Wood, a couple of veteran uh, offensive linemen that will anchor that line. And, and he always fashions a solid offensive line. Defensively, 
Eight starters back. Jarvis Palou up front at the defensive end spot. He's a guy that's going to be playing defensive end at 292 pounds. Could also play inside. But, you know, generally when you think of the service academies, you think of smaller mm-hmm. defensive lines. Sure. There's a 292-pound two, defensive end. I love yeah. it. 304-pound nose tackle at 200 and, you know, the other end spot's 257. But, uh, you know, Tyler Sales can do well there. They've got D.J. Palmore at the Raider position along with Micah Thomas. Uh, they did lose uh, Aloha Gilman at the uh, the strong safety spot, who uh, started 12 games last year, who opted to transfer uh, in June. But uh, overall, I think they're going to have their typical good defense. Now, as I pointed out in the magazine, last year they're three, they had three AAC road games against teams with losing records. This year their American road games are against teams that were in bowls last year. So it's a tougher schedule. Tulsa, Memphis, Temple. Uh, and Houston all on the road. They have to play Notre Dame on the road this year. Army won't be an easy out. Florida Atlantic, I think, will be a difficult game in the opener. You're talking about uh, Kiffin's first game as a head coach, and that one's on the road in Florida. So, And Navy's offense, by the way, gets better as the season goes on. They usually start out the season averaging in the 20s, always finish the year getting 30, 40 points per game. Yeah, Phil, you know, you mentioned defensively, too, and we noticed in 2015, a uh, longtime staff member, Nia Matalolo, uh, he elevated uh, their D.C., uh, Dale Person. They elevated him, and the, and the sack uh, count took a big leap. They got more aggressive. Uh, he probably blitzed more than he ever has. Do you see that continuing to maintain with this particular personnel group he has in seventeen? Yeah, and like I said, the schedule may not have the record up there, but uh, Ivan Jasper, their offensive coordinator, is a guy that uh, is ready to be a head coach. He would have stepped right in at Navy if Coach Niamatolo left. He flirted with BYU last year, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yep. having having Ivan Jasper on the staff is huge. Uh, Pearson is now in his third year as the defense coordinator, 22 years here overall. So I, I like the talent and I like the coaching. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to top last year's nine-win total, though, with this schedule. Yeah, no, that's understood, and uh, it's daunting, as we said. And uh, South Point, as they set their number, it reflects that, Phil. The gang there has a uh, a win dip for Navy this year. The number's seven, seven. Um, so, I mean, you know, uh, they're looking at a football team that, that they believe is probably – going to be straddling that 500 fence. Phil, will they, will they need, uh, you know, at Tulsa, at Memphis, at Temple, at Notre Dame, at Houston, they're going to have to win. I, we just rolled off. They're going to have to win two of those for them to get to that, uh, to go over that number. Yeah, they'd have to win at least one because I've got them an underdog in those five games, and I've got them favored in seven games. So if I was to set the number, I'd put it at seven. Uh, the wild card factor here is the head coach, Ken Niamatololo, and I just love the job he does. So despite the fact that my number is seven, Vegas number seven, which means generally it's a no play, I'm going to lean with the fact that he pulls an upset somewhere in, during the season and uh, they get higher than the seven win total. So uh, I'm going to go with a, a lean towards the over. All right, I'm going to lean right there with you. Take that lean. I, I think they'll get to a, at least an eight-win regular football season in Annapolis. But, again, keep close tabs on those road games at Tulsa, at Memphis, at Temple, at Notre Dame, and at Houston. 
before, of course, finishing up. And now, Phil, they're going to say, I, I, not that there's heat on, but you know around Annapolis they had their 14-game win streak against the Army uh, ended last year. You know they're going to be looking to get back on the right side of that annual rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be a great game again this year. And, and keep in mind, the previous three or four years, Army could easily have won. They were basically one right. play away from winning three of the four games. So this is, uh, to me, one of the best robberies in college football. I know it doesn't have the national implications of an Ohio State-Michigan, of an Auburn-Alabama, but I would put it up there with the top three rivalries in college football. And uh, to me, it's just a fascinating game to watch every year. It is. Uh, no question about that. You're spot on. And you know, the service academies, uh, they're starting to get uh, the type of talent now that play service academy football that kind of shows up uh, everywhere else along the FBS, too. All right, we are uh, in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference West Division here on Strong as Steel. We want to remind you, don't worry about if you haven't caught, uh, our, say, our Power Five conferences. We've done every one of them in the last two weeks, plus the independents. All you do is go to iTunes.com, iTunes.com, and right there, archive for you, real easy, just a click away on your mobile device, play, and you're all set to go. You can get each and every one of our previous episodes of Strong as Steel, previewing the 2017 college football season. Maybe when you're driving to work, you know, on your commute, there, home, it's a real good time to check in with uh, with Phil and I and our producer, Jim Nabosna, and you'll be right up to speed with your favorite football team. iTunes, there's even a spot to leave a review for us if you like. Please do that. like to get your input and uh, your thoughts on uh, what you like about uh, Strongest Steel, and uh, do that for us, and we'll be most appreciative, please. We continue on in the AAC West. Uh, we go from Annapolis, Maryland to Dallas, Texas. The Mustangs of SMU, a lot of experience now, returns to Dallas uh, for head coach Chad Morris. They they fell short of a bowl berth, Phil, last year. They wound up 5-7, and seven, and back-to-back losses that got them. Uh, nothing to be ashamed of. They closed the 16th season, and they got beat uh, against uh, by uh, USF and, uh, and by Navy. Now, Phil, you have them number 10. That's uh, prime territory on your 2017 experience chart. I love Cortland Sutton. I'll let Phil tell you more about him, but he is one of the most dynamic wide receivers that we have uh, in all of the FBS. I think you'll find out that this year. Quarterback position being decided. So going into camp here in about 10 days, and you're going to see Ben Hicks and Arkansas transfer Rafe Peavy competing to see who wins the job, but uh, SMU fans, Phil, I get the sense they're counting on a bowl berth this year uh, for Chad Morris and his squad. Get him to a bowl, six wins or better. Is that realistic? Do they have a legitimate shot at uh, achieving that? Yeah, I think it's very realistic. In fact, uh, you know, you look at the at the West here, and the West is loaded. You've got four bowl caliber teams at the top: Houston, Memphis, Tulsa, Navy. Swoo might just be one of those guys out this year, and I, I like the way that Chad Morris is building this team. Uh, you know, he stepped in the first year, a uh, little bit of a rebuilding project. They opened up two and ten, but last year, not only five and seven, but we're talking about a, an overtime loss to a powerful Tulsa team 
or else they could have won. And they had an eight-point loss to a powerful South Florida team. So on any given Saturday, they proved they could play with anybody. Uh, you know, they look at the first halves against both Baylor and TCU. They played them even up. They just ran out depth-wise. Now, the depth is helped this year by what you touched on. Number 10 on my experience chart, nine starters back on offense. Ben Hicks was the starting QB last year. I think he probably gets beat out by Rafe Peavy. Peavy's a guy who just lit it up in the spring game, 16-18 for 173 yards. Uh, but they're in great shape there. If something was to happen to Peavy, they've got Hicks. They've even got a Wisconsin transfer in D.J. Gillins, who was P.S. number 33. So they're pretty deep there. Breeden West is a guy who topped 1,000 yards rushing last year. He's back at the running back spot. You touched on Cortland Sutton. You know, when I talked to Coach Morris this spring, he said he's got Mike Williams-like potential. So that's right. pretty interesting. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, he jumps off the, the tape at you, man. He's it, electrifying. All the intangibles, he's got the measurables, he's uh, 6'4", 218, and he's playing in a passing offense, so you know the stats are going to follow. He'll be an All-American uh, type of player this year, make one of those All-American teams. They also add in uh, a guy in Trey Quinn, who is a PS number 11, one of those LSU wide receiver transfers. Seems like they all transferred out somewhere. Trey Quinn lands here. Once again, perfect fit in the passing system. You look at them up front on the offensive line, they got three starters back. Defensively, that's that's probably where they've, you know, when you have a high-flying offense, you're going to have a defense that gives up some yards and points because you're on the field a lot. Right. But they trimmed it from 502 to 453 yards per game last year. Uh, they do only have five starters back on defense. Not a great defense, but it's going to be a good enough defense, I think, to uh, to stay with teams because that offense is so potent. Justin Lawler up front, probably the uh, top guy they have on the defensive line. Uh, last year he put together uh, eight sacks, nine TFL, and he gives you good size at the defensive end spot. 266 pounds can hold the point well. You look at the linebackers, Anthony Rohn, Kieran Mitchell, and a couple of uh, defensive backs back. The, the key is going to be that schedule. There's a lot of games are going to be an underdog in this year, but, hey, they were an underdog in some games last year, like against Houston when they were a three-touchdown dog and beat them 38-16. Right. They went in Tulane as an underdog and won that game. They went into East Carolina as a touchdown underdog and won 55-31. to So that's a team capable of beating anybody on its schedule and going to be a tough out. Yeah, well, you know they're going to uh, you're going to put points up, and they're going to dazzle you offensively. Phil, uh, led by Cortland Sutton, you have you have the receiving core of uh, this SMU Mustang squad, ranked number one. You got the uh, the quarterback position at rank number four. So I get you go again. We believe in them offensively. If they can make similar improvements defensively to last year, there might be a lot of shouting in Dallas from SMU fans. Yeah, I think they've got a great shot at uh, getting to a bowl game this year. And In fact, uh, you know, when you look at their schedule, they'll be favored over Stephen F. Austin, North Texas, Arkansas State at home, Connecticut at home. The Central Florida game could be huge November 4th, and then they host Tulane in the season final. So those six games could very well be a favorite in all six, and uh, I think that gives them a shot at getting to a bowl game this year. And, and frankly, if I'm an opposing head coach, I really don't want to have SMU on my schedule because that would be one of those that gives you that upset potential. Yeah, no question. And uh, and the gang at South Point agrees. So, Phil, you just uh, tabbed them as favorites in six. And, of course, South Point has the number at five. I'm going to go over that. I think they potentially can get to seven uh, with one of those uh, those road upsets thrown in. 
Oh, no doubt. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they got to even eight or nine this year because I don't have a large dog in a lot of games. So this is, this is a SMU team that's got the potential. I'm going to lean definitely with the over on, on Smooth this year. Wow. So, okay. So uh, Phil and I both feel that and, way. I mean, look look what we and, have going. Uh, and if you check the projections in the front of the magazine, I uh-huh. do project them in a bowl game. Right. Yep. And Absolutely. So Go to the bowl projections and find out which bowl game that is. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh, classified information. you got to get out your Phil Steele's college football preview magazine, the Bible, and uh, you'll get all the bowl predictions uh, that Phil just laid out. So the AAC West, I mean, now listen, if you in, include SMU in there as a team, as we said, as Phil just mentioned, maybe they get the eight wins if everything rolls right. I mean, wow, uh, this could be loaded now. Houston, Memphis. Memphis, Navy, SMU, and we haven't gotten to uh, yet one another of the big boys as we go through the AAC West. Before, though, we get to that final, what we consider a big boy, got to stop down in New Orleans, Louisiana, where the the Tulane Green Wave, uh, they uh, ride strong there. Willie Fritz. Begins his second season, Phil. Willie Fritz, a uh, gentleman you and I are very familiar with. He went 4-8 and eight last year. Uh, that only AAC win was at decimated UConn to close the season. So now uh, you know Coach Fritz and his squad. They feel like uh, they got some unfinished business that they got to take care of and make that, uh, that one-win season in the AAC right again. He's got a classic option quarterback, though, coming in this year. Willie Fritz does, Phil. And former Kansas State transfer, J.C. last year, Jonathan Banks. And, I mean, this is the, you know, this is the essence of the true uh, read option quarterback in, in Jonathan Banks. So you're going to see that uh, as he takes over the job. Phil, 16 returning starters. Now, they, they could challenge maybe a, a six-win total and gain a bowl berth. I, I'll put a question mark behind that. But uh, there's, there's talented personnel that Fritz is now very, very familiar with. Do we see a stock market indicator pointing up for the Green Wave? You know, when I was talking to Coach uh, Fritz this spring, extremely bullish on, first of all, the job he's doing with Tulane. I mean, getting them to four wins last year I thought was more than I expected last season. You know, they were an extremely young team. They did not have the pieces necessarily to run the option, not a true option quarterback. Whereas this year, as you touched on, they're bringing in Jonathan Banks, the uh, Juco transfer who signed at K-State originally. He's back. They've got Dontrell Hilliard back at the running back spot. Uh, Sherman Batty is a guy that's very dangerous. He's a kick returner. He's got speed. And he's got size. He's 205 pounds. Um uh, Darren Enclade is a guy that's going to do well at the receiver spot, despite this being an option offense. And up front, the offensive line looks good. Raul uh, Jr. Diaz is a guy that uh, started the first three games last year, then got injured and was out for the year. It's tough when you lose your center for the season. Diaz is back, uh, along with two other starters, including John LeGlue on the uh, right tackle spot. And defensively, I like the talent they have over here. A guy like Ada Runa. Uh, look for a big step forward. He took a big step forward last year, but this guy's actually got NFL potential. Another guy, good-sized defensive end at 6'5", 270 pounds, can get penetration, and I'm looking for an increase even. You know, he had three sacks, five sacks. I'm looking for him to continue that level and be one of the better pass rushers in the league. Sean Wilson gives him good size at the nose tackle spot, 6'3", 300 pounds. He's improved his strength. He's a smart player. And then you go back to a Gerard Franklin at the nickelback spot. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can play that quasi-linebacker, nickelback role. 
205 pounds. He will strike you, which is what you want at that position. Perry Nickerson, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, Donnie Lewis, Roderick Teamer are both guys that are all-conference caliber. And uh, even Coach Fritz said it's night and day between last year and th- uh, this year, which it is. But then we got to talking at the end of the conversation. We started looking at that schedule a little bit. Uh-huh. And said, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, Coach, come on. You're, you're going to be an underdog probably in a, a bulk of your games this year. Uh, if, if I think next year I'm going to be pointing Tulane for a bowl game. Like I said, I love the job Fritz is doing. He's got the talent intact. But look at that schedule. At Navy, at Oklahoma, uh, they have to play Tulsa, South Florida, at Memphis, at East Carolina, Houston, at SMU. A lot of games they could potentially be an underdog in this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I, I love the enthusiasm from Coach Fritz. I think he, I think he realizes he's got a talented football team. Now will all of uh, the uh, the pieces fit that system seems to be going in the right direction. I think, a, I think Tulane fans are going to really like what Jonathan Banks gives them production-wise. Although I think, Phil, because of that schedule, the gang at the South Point says – Ah, uh, no bowl trip in 2017. They've got that win total at four and a half. And um, because of the schedule, I, I, I'll say that I think it's, uh, you know, everybody, every team in every conference can't, can't be winners every week. So I think Tulane might get to four, but uh, I, I just don't see them winning a lot of these football games uh, going on the road as an underdog uh, in very tough environments. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head. We've pretty much been going over in this division, so it's, you can't have everybody in the division going over the total. And uh, as bullish as I mean, like I said, we got to done doing the offense, the defense, and the special teams. I'm like, wow, I didn't pick these guys for a bowl. Why not? And then I flipped uh-huh. to the schedule, and I said, oh, there's the reason why. So as much as I love the job Fritz is doing, as much as I think this team has vastly improved over last year's four-win team, uh, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll, I'll go with uh, a lean to the under, a small lean. I think I, f- I find it tough to go against Fritz this year. Yeah, no, listen, I, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, coaching makes you stop and think because, uh, again, you can uh, – some of the, the, the head coaches around college football are just, you know, phenomenal uh, teachers, educators. And I, you know, Phil, uh, here's a perfect example with Willie Fritz. And you, you want him to have a real good year, but – you hit it right off the top of that schedule. I don't know if he and his athletic director are, uh, you know, real, real good friends. Because if I'm Willie, I'm saying, "Whoa, here, let's uh, let's slow down on uh, some of our uh, some of our trips we're taking non-conference." But you know, we'll see how it all plays out. So uh, we're both going to go on the uh, the underside here. Uh, of the four and a half win total. Uh, but the information that you need and that you can access quickly and that is even a, a carryover and strong. Listen, there's no better information than you're going to find anywhere when you have the Bible with you. Phil Steele's college football preview. That's top of the line right there. But we've got something for you that we know you're going to want each and every week to keep you right up to speed. Phil's newsletter, InsideThePressBox.com. Phil, uh, what is the added advantage that's going to be gained by college football fans who want the very latest detailed info? Yeah, and one note I do want to throw out here is uh, we are revamping the website. You know, the website has been uh, an older look, and we're going to have a brand-new look to the website. And we're also going to have Phil Steele Plus up and running 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully that happens pretty soon. I expected it to be up by now, but uh, naturally when you're putting in that type of project, it's going to take some time, and, and we want to make it right. So that will be up and running. And for those of you that are chomping at the bit to sign up for Phil Steel Plus, I know you call the office and you say, hey, I can't sign up for it. Well, we can't have it for you until we get it. So hopefully the Phil Steel Plus will be up very shortly. But in the meantime, let's talk about Inside the Press Box. And Inside the Press Box is the weekly newsletter gives you a great deal of information each week. Now, this is for someone who, you know, if you like to get some quality plays during the course of the year from, uh, you know, a source like this, you get plays from my computer and myself, and then sometimes we, most of the time we agree, but there are times we disagree, and you can follow mm-hmm. along all season and catch our comments. But you'll get some quality plays like uh, my high-scoring game of the week, my upset game of the week, uh, each and every week. And then if you just like to do the stuff yourself, I mean, it's all laid out there for you. You can get strength of schedule. Uh, you get every stat updated every week. You can do your matchups. Uh, it's it's a great thing. Now, it, the that website was revamped last year. You go to InsideThePressBox.com right now, get yourself a free sample issue of what's going on there, uh, see what the newsletter is all about, and then you can click on or put enter in the code word football, and you'll get $20 off either the college the NFL or the college and NFL combined. Or you could call our offices direct at 866-918-7711. That's 866-918-7711. But a great newsletter throughout the entire year. It is. You can't do without it. Uh, you need to be completely in the know as uh, you look at at games and matchups week to week. Make sure you do it uh, with InsideThePressBox.com. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer Jim Nabosna. This is strong as steel, the number one, and we'll back that up. I think if you if you've been listening as uh, we we came up and running with strong as steel last year, and now we're previewing the 2017 season for you. You know you're not going to get this kind of information, evaluation, and assessment anywhere else. You know, there are those that will tell you they know all about the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12. But, um, you know, we think we start separating when right where we're at now, group of five, right? Group of five conferences. We give you the same information, the same type of valuations, the same comprehensive look at personnel and coaching staffs as we do with the big boys of the Power Five. So stay with us here all year long on Strong as Steel. Our final stop in the uh, seems to be loaded AAC, American Athletic Conference West. Let's go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Check in with Philip Montgomery and his Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Now, if you like absolutely off the charts, uh, almost pinball-like offensive football, go check out Philip Montgomery's squad. Phil, I'm just going to say, wow. What an incredible job and yet an incredible amount of numbers that walked during the graduation ceremonies this past spring off Philip Montgomery's football squad. Phil, how about this, right? I know you'll get the first team in NCAA history to have a 3,000-yard passer, Dane Evans, two 1,000-yard ground gainers, James Flanders and D'Angelo Brewer, and two 1,000-yard receivers, uh, Keevan Lucas and Josh Atkinson, last year. 
incredible. And only D'Angelo Brewer remained. So that's why I said that uh, the graduation stage was burning up as those those graduates were walking with all of those numbers and and uh, now uh, expiring their eligibility in the program. Daunting to recover from something like this, Phil. But Montgomery says, shed no tears for us. We're still going to be as potent as we were, even with those five stalwarts heading out the door. Uh, is Philip giving a little, setting a little bear trap for us, Phil? Or uh, can he, can he, with his remaining personnel, continue to stay that prolific? You know, and, and like I've said many times during our podcasts, uh, I think when the, the public and the media look break down a team, they look at what you just touched on. You lose your quarterback who threw for 3,000 yards. You lose your top rusher in Flanders who had 1,600 yards rushing. Lose a pair of 1,000-yard receivers, and you're going to be down on them. And Tulsa was picked fourth by the media in the West Division, despite the fact they're coming off 10 wins. Now, Here's a, a little history about Philip Montgomery and why I think he'll end up having a pretty good quarterback. First of all, Dane Evans, who uh, has done great the first two years under Philip Montgomery, uh, not didn't have a great uh, career coming into it. But Monca- Montgomery built him or molded him, and uh, he ended up having a pretty fantastic year with a 32-12 ratio. Remember at Baylor, uh, he had that some guy Robert Griffin the third who won the Heisman oh, Trophy. Yeah. The next, the next year, oh. Doom and gloom. I mean, you're going to Florence, a quarterback. You're in trouble. Florence actually topped RG3's numbers. And then mm-hmm. uh, they had Bryce Petty, an uh, uh, inexperienced quarterback, step in. Boom. All had big years uh, in their first year as starters at Baylor. And he's got a couple of players to look at. Now, Chad President is a, a VHT or a PS number 23 quarterback coming out of high school that hasn't quite lived up to that building. billing. He took a medical redshirt last year. He's athletic. Uh, he understands the offense. The guys believe in him. He, I mean, if he plays up to his PS number 23 potential, look out here. But they also have the redshirt Frost Luke Skipper, who is a Montgomery recruit, and he's got a talented arm that can make all the throws. He's got some elusiveness. And Florence, when uh, he took over at Baylor, uh, I don't. he was not a VHT. I don't even believe he was an HT quarterback. Mm-hmm. Moving along to the running back spot, they do have Brewer back. Uh, Brewer rushed for 1,434 yards. They've got Keenan Johnson and Justin Hobbs, a receiver. I think they'll be fine. There's, you know the receiver's going to put up numbers. And then that offensive line I like a lot. Chandler Miller up front at yeah. center. Uh, Tyler Bowling at left guard. Even Plague at the left tackle spot. And even Willie Wright at right tackle. They're going to have one of the better offensive lines. So I think despite losing all those skill players, Montgomery knows how to build them. And then you look defensively, i got a couple of really good ends. Uh, Jeremy Smith is one of these guys, uh, 265 pounds, and can get pressure on the quarterback. And Jesse Brubaker, 270 pounds, he'll get pressure on the quarterback. Those two defensive ends are going to give quarterbacks fits all year. Craig Suits in the middle at uh, weak side linebacker is solid. And the secondary was probably the most improved unit on the team in the spring. Now, earlier I touched on Memphis and said they had to play both of my other top two teams on the road. I'm talking about Houston and Memphis or excuse me, Houston and Tulsa. Well, Tulsa's the team that gets both those guys at home this year. They get Houston at home and they get Memphis at home. So despite being picked fourth in the division, and mostly that's because of the, the fact you lose, of the quarterback, running back, receivers, I like the rest of the makeup on the team, and I like the schedule. Yeah, well, I, yes. Let's go through the schedule. And uh, to that end, I mean, in two of the first three weeks, 
How's this for a couple of uh, non-conference road games at Oklahoma State to open the season, and then two weeks later that trip into the Glass Bowl Stadium to see the uh, the high-flying Toledo Rockets of the MAC. So, I mean, you know, Phil, neither one of those are are going to be uh, gimmies whatsoever. Uh, at Tulane, at SMU, at UConn. So uh, only South Florida, as far as road games go, you would say at least uh, right here in the preseason, the toughest of that bunch. And the big boys uh, at home, like Houston at home, Memphis at home, and uh, Temple at home as well. So the number, Phil, that's been set out of the South Point, Tulsa, seven and a half. Seven and a half. What think you I'm going with the over on, on Tulsa for sure. I think they're a legitimate contender in the West. It would not surprise me at all if they ended up winning the West this year. So I, I think uh, Tulsa's an underrated group. Once again, you've got the folks uh, overreacting to the raw numbers and the people you sure. can grasp your head around, which are stat guys, a quarterback, running back, receiver. Offensive line's loaded. You know, last year's defense, despite their offense scoring that much, only allowed 29.8 points per game. I mean, this is a right. team that outscored its opponents by 13 points per game. They were winning close games last year. They were beating people pretty good all season long. And uh, I, I like the talent returning. Only 19 Letterman lost, 49 Letterman returning. Yeah, they jam-pack over 30,000. That's capacity into a Chapman Stadium in Tulsa. And it'll it'll be rocking again this year. I'm with Phil. I'm going to go over that number because I uh, – uh, that offensive line. I mean, you got uh, you got the uh, one first teamer and two second teamers that have returned, and it's Phil's number one O line that he uh, ranks as he breaks down the positional units in the AAC. So uh, if you lost a lot in the skill positions, but that entire offensive line pretty much back intact. So uh, Tulsa, we're looking at uh, the over seven and a half there for the Golden Hurricane. And again, though, that, that they start out. And and listen, don't be all knocked off track, Tulsa fans. I think for, yeah, it's a loss at Oklahoma State, okay. And as I said, it's, uh, it's not going to be easy to beat Toledo. At Toledo, who, when we get to the Mid-American Conference, will tell you how highly we think of them. But, Phil, they could even they could start out with those couple of losses, but by the time they get to AAC play, they could be rolling. Yeah, Absolutely. So, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, there's your story there as Philip Montgomery begins his third year. So, uh, Phil, I listen, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call, but uh, legitimately, though, we have four out of the, uh, the AAC West that could be vying for that division championship and the right to play the, uh, the East Division winner uh, in that championship game. It's going to be a fascinating watch in the AAC West overall. Yeah, and Houston was the big favorite coming in last year and didn't end up winning it, so uh, it'll be fun to watch. Yes, it will. Stay with us here on Strong as Steel all year long as we'll get into all the whys and the wherefores. All right, that's going to do it uh, for us today. As we said, we're breaking down the AAC today, Wednesday. You've just... uh, uh, heard the West. Uh, the East comes up tomorrow on Thursday. Phil, we'll get ready to go for that. Hope you have a good one. Our producer, Jim Nabazda, as well. Uh, all of you, again, archive any show you've missed. You won't miss a thing on iTunes.com. And we know you'll get yourself caught up and be ready 
for the college football season. Now for Phil Steele and Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Make it a terrific college football day for yourself, and we'll see you here tomorrow when we go through the AAC East. That's our next edition of Strongest Steel. Till then, so long, everybody.